uh, where you join us on a special edition of uh, Medical Files and also on during the month of uh, Ramadan. It is a program uh, that you all look forward to. We look uh, forward to being in your pies and sagacious activity. And Alhamdulillah, this afternoon, it's our favorite uh, family physician, our very own uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji. Uh, Dr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Tell me, how are you doing this uh, beautiful uh, Ramadan afternoon? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa And to your listeners, alhamdulillah, uh, Allah Ta'ala has given us some very good days fasting. And uh, as we go into autumn, it, it's going to become a bit sh- shorter and uh, much easier. And, and Allah Ta'ala's father upon us is too great. You know, Doctor, the, uh, uh, you know, our composite says that Ramadan makes you healthier. And, and that is so true. Physically, you know, you're in ship shape. And uh, spiritually, you know, we're on very high-octane spirituality. But talk to us about the uh, benefits of Ramadan, you know, especially on your physicality, Doctor. Uh, yes, there's uh, quite a few benefits from of, uh, of Ramadan that we don't uh, really uh, um, understand um, if, uh, without thinking about it. And of course, they are there, uh, and we just go into Ramadan and not realizing what Allah Ta'ala means by saying that uh, fasting is good for you. Uh, so it, uh, it really, once a year, it, it puts our talks, our, our regulation, our, our body uh, biorhythms into, uh, it, 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 into a check to make sure everything is working fine. And uh, that's important because sometimes with our habits that we have, uh, we we tend to uh, do things that uh, that may harm our bodies, that may be not good for our bodies, and and we get into those habits, and uh, it becomes a problem to our body itself. So it's, it's Ramadan is a way in which we can zero on all these, really, really take stock of what we are doing before, and uh, what uh, what Ramadan forces us to do. Uh, and try and correct it uh, as for the rest of the year until until, until the following Ramadan. And if you keep doing that, you find that your normal days of the way you conduct yourself and the way you eat and the, what you what you drink will fall in line with what you do during Ramadan. So you will just merge into Ramadan without having to make much changes to your life. Now, well said there, Doctor. As you said, you'll merge into Ramadan without making uh, changes into your life. And, you know, the old adage, you are what you eat. And uh, during the month of Ramadan, uh, you know, those uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, that grew up in the culture of having, uh, you know, the samosas, the fries, and uh, some uh, doctor, believe it or not, uh, will have uh, for, uh, for, for, for suhoor or for seri, they'll go and have a uh, whole meal cooked, you know, fresh meal. I know someone, uh, uh, a late gentleman, used to have fresh curry kichri in the morning. I mean, how did uh, how how does that affect your physiology, uh, doctor? Yes, you see, that's um, one of the things that happens during Ramadan. People change the way they eat completely, uh, putting stress on the body. As it is, uh, fasting is stressful to the body initially. Uh, until we get used to it, it takes about twenty days for our bodies to get used to it. Uh, and once we get used to it, uh, it becomes very easy for the body to handle the fasting. But uh, the reason why it takes so long is because we've put our bodies through such torment uh, during the year with our, with our eating and what we eat and how much we eat uh, that it takes that long for our body to really uh, adjust itself. So uh, 
you know, we, we, we tend to overeat, we tend to nibble during the day, we have, have something in our mouth all the time, uh, uh, we, we've got, uh, you know, we need every, um, every few hours, we need something, some, some little snack, um, and, uh, and so, so it goes on. So our stomach is not really getting a rest. Our digestive system is not getting a rest. Uh, so, you know, uh, there comes a point when, when, you know, you, you, you know, your, your stomach is not empty at all. And sometimes we have a, a problem with that with medications as well. We say take it before eating. Uh, so when is before eating? Because most of the time the stomach is, has got some food in it. So, uh, what uh, so all this uh, uh, this keeping away from food and drink um, is, is is quite a beneficial thing to our body. Um, let's take let's take uh, people who are overeating who take who eat a lot. In our stomach, we have stretch fibers, nerve fibers. We have stretch fibers. So the stretch fibers actually uh, control the amount of food that we're eating. So in a normal stomach. When we fill our stomach up and the stomach starts expanding, the stretch and, and, and these fibers become a little stretched. It sends a message to the brain to say you are now full and you don't need to eat anymore. So your, your hunger goes away, your, your appetite goes away, and you feel you say, no, no, I, I, I've had enough. And so you stop because those stretch fibers in your stomach has told your brain that the, the stomach is now expanded a little bit uh, to, uh, to indicate that you've had enough. Now, if you overeat and you overeat over a long period of time, the, the stomach expands, it stretches to accommodate the extra food and drink that you're having. You, you know, the one of the ways to do, and, and you know, you take a whole, whole, whole plate of food, put it in a container. If you drink two, two glasses of water, put the two glasses of water inside. If you have ice cream, put the ice cream inside. Uh, put whatever else you're eating, having a tea, having a cake, a biscuit, put everything inside. And you see the volume in that container that you uh, that that you have. Now, if you if you have that, if you if you if you so what happens if you eat all that type of food, all that amount of food, then the stomach stretches. Now, when the stomach stretches, these stretch fibers get used to it. A longer stretch, they have to stretch a little longer for for them to send the message to the brain. With the result that. Uh, you know, uh, you have to eat a lot for the, for the nerves to get stimulated to tell your brain to stop eating. So people overeat. They eat too much. And, and, they, and, and if, they, if you give them a little bit, they'll say, I'm not full yet. I, I need some more. And so they'll go for a second helping of rice and whatever else it is because the stomach hasn't expanded enough. Now, with, with Ramadan, not eating for long periods of time, the stomach shrinks, actually. The stomach actually goes down and tries to become what it was before. It doesn't take a few days. It takes a while, two or three weeks for that to happen. So, so but we, oh, we, we undo it again. We undo it by e overeating again at iftar. Because if we overeat at iftar, we are not allowing the stomach to shrink. We are stretching the stomach again to where it was before. So, so you, we haven't gained anything. So if you really want to gain something from this and lose weight because you're eating too much, you're eating too much, and you, you may be eating correct foods, but you're eating too much. And, and, uh, and so you need to allow your stomach to come down again, let those stretch fibers become normal again so that they give the correct message to the brain. So when you have had uh, one plate of food, 
your your stomach expands a little bit, tells the brain, look, you fall full now, you don't need to eat eat anymore, and so you don't overeat. Uh, but so so it's very important that if you really want to get this thing right, you have to make sure that you don't have a big iftar. You have to have a small iftar. And if you if you you, you allow that stomach to shrink down and uh, have a small iftar, have go for tarawi, come back, have a, have a little snack again. So you're not over expanding your stomach. And if you do that, and you see how much of weight you lose and how good you feel. You feel absolutely good, and you have you'll be full of energy. You know, some people think that the more they eat, the more energy they have. In fact, it works the opposite. The, the more you eat, the less energy you have, the more sluggish you feel, and the more lazy you feel. And, and of course, you put on weight because you're eating too much. So that's as far as the stomach is concerned. But also, there are other benefits as well in the, in the digestive system because uh, you're not, ha- not having anything in the stomach for such a long period of time. And, and it, it rests the whole digestive system. The whole digestive system from the small bowel which absorbs the food uh, to, to, to the enzymes that are produced by the pancreas uh, to, to, to digest the food. Those are also getting a rest. They are recharging. Uh, new cells are coming up. The old cells are taken away. It's like a maintenance program. You know, in a, in, a, in a factory, once a year, they shut the factory down, and then they repair the whole factory. And if they don't do that, they're going to get more and more big breakdowns during the, during, during the year. So once a year, they shut down for two or three weeks, and the whole family, the whole Factory gets an gets an overall. Well, this Ramadan is like that overall that we that we want uh, our bodies to re- really realign themselves again. So, so all the digestive juices get get a chance to the, the, the pancreas doesn't have to produce digestive juices now for the for the day. So it gets a chance to repair itself. So does the liver. All the blood from the small bowel. All, everything that you eat has to go through the liver to be processed and then sent into the bloodstream. Now, again, because you're not eating, the liver gets a chance to recover itself. Uh, and so it will, uh, it will start throwing out all the old cells, getting the new cells, get all the sludge out, um, and, and prepare itself for the next, 12 month, for the next 11 months. Uh, same with the kidney. The kidney doesn't have to overwork now because you're not putting stuff in there which, is, which, are going, which the kidney has to now uh, excrete. Uh, the kidney just has to excrete less and less of the toxins as the day goes and more and more water uh, just to keep it going and flush it out. And uh, again, all the dead cells come out, all the new ones come come, you come back come back in and you get a fresh lot. So in that way, the digestive system in all its, in all its components has a very good rest during Ramadan. Uh, and uh, if we can just help it along, now we just need to help it along by making sure that we don't eat, we don't overeat at, at iftar, that we put small amounts of food in there and, uh, and allow the, uh, the, the organs, the small bowel and the, and the pancreas and the liver and the, and the kidney, all these organs to start uh, regenerating, uh, getting the act together again uh, to help you for the next 11 months. So there, there are a lot of benefits uh, in the gastrointestinal tract itself for, for fasting. But, but uh, if providing uh, we take note of it and we say, well, look, I'm going to watch my health. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I don't overeat and I don't uh, have too many unprocessed foods, uh, food with uh, uh, artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, all these things the body doesn't really know what to do with it. So we, we cut all that down, give the body a chance to recover, and you find that you have a wonderful body for the next 11 months.
Uh, beautiful indeed, uh, Dr. Faru Kapiji. Did anyone tell you, you know, you're a master in your field, alhamdulillah. Really, you know, you're making for easy listening uh, this afternoon. Uh, ketosis, ketosis. Uh, I mean, the type of fasting we do, uh, I don't think it gives a chance for ketosis to set in, uh, Doctor. Uh, no, I think, I think um, uh, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, and uh, so what, the, basically, if you think about it, if you just eat the foods that you normally eat during Ramadan, you your, your body is quite used to it. The digestive system is quite used to it. So you should just have your normal food that you normally eat during Ramadan. Add some, a, little, a few savories. And uh, if you are an overeater, if you eat too much, you have to have too much of food. You know now your stomach has been stretched. Now you need to shrink your stomach down uh, during that month. And normally, you know, it takes about two or three weeks, but Allah has given us uh, a whole month uh, to get this thing right. Uh, and uh, once you get it right, you find you, you, you will now start after Ramadan not eating so much. Don't, don't go back to eating large amounts of food again. You know, you, 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 know, you look at your plate and you say to yourself, uh, that's how much I need. But actually, you don't need that much. That, that's exactly, that's, that's what you want, but not your, what, you, what you need. In fact, your need will be only half of what you've got on your plate. Uh, and uh, so if we, if we understand that, and we, we go along with it, uh, you find that the benefits are, are tremendous. You have more energy, you will be able to do more things, and you start losing weight, uh, which is very good for the body, unless you're over, underweight, of course, that's not good for you. But uh, people who overeat are generally overweight, and, and that, that creates a problem, not only in the digestive system, but on the whole body, causing, causing uh, uh, weight pressures on your ankles, on your feet, ankles, knees, hips, and back as well. So, uh, so, the, so, the, so the benefits are, are, are there as long as we take advantage uh, of this month and do it correctly. Now, Doc, you know, talking about uh, there's an abundance of uh, pomegranate, you know, anar in uh, the Overport uh, district. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've bought quite a few boxes and I've been indulging myself with the uh, anar. But some of them, you know, taste sweet, some are bitter. Uh, can there be a side effects of overeating uh, pomegranate, uh, Doctor? Uh, no, pomegranate is very healthy. It's a very, very healthy food, and it's a bright red color uh, of uh, of the flesh that uh, that that has the antioxidants in it. Uh, antioxidants. We need all of us need antioxidants uh, to, to get rid of all the toxins from our body. And uh, pomegranate is one of those fruits that has a very, very high concentration of antioxidants, uh, and so. Uh, it is. It is. It is good. You can't over overindulge in it. Uh, you. You know. It's. It's. Uh, it's a fruit that you can eat and as much as you want. But it, it's seasonal, uh, so that's a problem. You see. It, it, and Allah Taala's wisdom uh, is such that it comes out at this time of the year uh, when we are just before just before um, uh, winter comes in. So uh, it prepares our body to to get the antioxidants in, try and fix our bodies up. Uh, repair our tissues uh, and uh, wait for the you know the assault of all the uh, winter bugs that, that come on uh, and and so that our bodies can cope with the flus and all the uh, colds and all that that we, that we get during winter so it's it's it's, it's this time of the year that it comes and it doesn't last for too long uh, and it goes away and the rest of the year you can get uh, pomegranate but you not uh, not in this in this amount uh, that we see now now, Doc, uh, you know, you and I heard the words, uh, yeah, the anecdote, a, a word in season, doctor has given a word in season. 
Now, I want to know from you, doctor, we're getting fruits in this country, uh, fruits that is not in season in this country. It is out of season, but we're importing it. Can that affect our physiology? Because uh, we're living in a certain climate and certain condition, but the fruit that we're eating is not for the time of the you know month for us to eat it. What happens then, doctor? Does it cause a confusion to our system? Uh, yes, it does. It, uh, because, uh, you, you know, you are... But you see, Allah system is such. You see, again, if you look at citrus, citrus fruits, uh, if you look at oranges, oranges will come out in autumn. Again, oranges are very, very high in vitamin C level. Vitamin C is very high in, in oranges. So we get it just before winter. And, and again, it helps us through the winter period for our colds and coughs and flu and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, there's nothing. Uh, we, we, you know, Allah Ta'ala makes it so easy for us. We just have to follow what Allah Ta'ala's plan is and, and we can live a wonderful life if we just do what, uh, what, what, uh, what Allah Ta'ala has already organized in our lives, in and around our lives. Uh, so that's why we say that you should eat fruit in season. And that's, that's, that's what Allah Ta'ala wants us to do. He wants, to, he wants us to eat fruit that is in season for a particular reason. Allah Ta'ala knows more than we do. And, and so we just need to, all we need to do is just, just eat it in season. And, and uh, you'll find the benefits of it. But if you eat it, out, eat, it out of, eat it out of season, you'll still get the benefit. You, you will still get the benefit. No problem with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you can, but usually it's important, it's expensive. And many people are not able to uh, uh, to to buy it. Yeah, so, and, uh, gee, doc, go ahead. Uh, no, uh, also, you know, I, I just was thinking that uh, uh, you know we have you know the Tarawih Salah. We need to talk about that at some stage because it, it it has a very very profound effect on our on our mental mental capacity uh, and mental health, and we need to talk about that at some at some stage. Inshallah, we'll definitely will bring that in, uh, Doctor. As uh, we can see, lots of questions coming in there for you this uh, uh, afternoon. And, you know, by the way, the, the, the grapes, uh, you know, you're getting abundance of grapes. And uh, once again, I, uh, I'm giving my secrets away. I like buying boxes of grapes. And, you know, when I really feel like it, it's grapes. You know, when I feel like a hunger pang coming, it's grapes. Uh, is, is, it, is that a good habit? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, grapes, are, grapes are quite okay, but remember, they are high in calories, uh, and they're also a diuretic. If you, uh, if you eat too much of grapes, you'll find that you want to go to the toilet after half an hour, uh, because it'll make you pass urine. Uh, so it's, it's like a diuretic. Uh, and uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's not, not, uh, not harmful, uh, but you just need to take that into account if you're going shopping or if you're going somewhere where you, uh, where, you, know, you may not be, uh, have access to a toilet. Don't eat too much of grapes before you go because you, you need a toilet in about half an hour time, half an hour's time. But grapes are also very, uh, very good fruit. They have vitamin C in them. They, they also have antioxidants in them, especially the brightly colored ones. Um, and uh, they have minerals in them. Uh, so they are quite, quite, quite healthy food. Uh, so, so it's quite okay. Again, you'll find that the grapes come out uh, just before in, in autumn, uh, just before winter. Uh, that's where you'll get the grapes coming out. And again, that's to help our bodies go through the winter period uh, in, a, in a better condition. So, Doctor, in other words, you tell me if a kalu or a chacha got incontinence, they shouldn't have grapes before going to bed, uh, Doc? No, no, uh, no. 
In fact, it's not a good idea for anybody to have grapes before they go to bed because they want to, they'll have to wake up uh, and pass urine a very shortly after that. Yeah. Are you brilliant, Dr. Jafakalakhe, for that? Let's go to your questions uh, that are coming in. And this one says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Marcus Medical Files. Uh, Shafata, please ask uh, Dr. Faru Kafiji, do dates uh, cause constipation? Are uh, the dates uh, we eat today as nutritious as in the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Subhaya Randri, Doc. Yes, they are. They are just as nutritious. And uh, 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 now we have, you know, at that time, Rasulullah they didn't have any chemicals. So now these, uh, now they spray, I think they spray these date trees with chemicals to stop them from getting infected with, uh, with insects. So <clears throat> that's the only downside. But they, this spray is done very early in the, in the, in the fruit season. So it doesn't really, uh, you know, it doesn't stay, really stay in the fruit uh, until, you know, until it's ripe and, and, of course, it's dried. But the benefits are still there. Uh, dates have quite a bit of fiber in them. They, they don't cause constipation. They actually help constipation. Some, some dates are very high in fiber and some dates are low in fiber. So, the, the, so if you have a constipation problem, by eating the dates that are high in fiber, you'll actually be doing yourself a favor uh, by by helping your tummy as well uh, by you know eating those fruit those dates with a high fiber content, and you can know you can know that when you when you when you break the when you break the date open, you see the fiber strands inside, and and uh, that's uh, you've got soluble fiber and insoluble fiber, so both of them are, are bound needs uh, to function. So dates are a very good source of uh, of uh, fiber, which means that. Uh, it'll help you rather than cause constipation. Uh, Doc, what about dates? Uh, does it, uh, I mean, do you get a rotten tooth uh, eating too much dates? The rotten tooth occurs if you don't brush your teeth after after having the uh, the date. Mm. It, it's, uh, it's a date that um, lodges itself between teeth and crevices. And of course, if you don't brush, it stays there. And if it's got it's got fructose in it, it's got sugar in it. And so the germs have a party in, the, in your mouth uh, while you're sleeping. So if you have a date before sleeping and you don't brush your teeth, the remnants of the dates are still in your, on your teeth, in between your teeth. And of course, the germs start growing there and they start eating into your teeth as well. So that's where the problem arises. It's not the date that causes the problem. It's not, not brushing the teeth before sleeping and not flossing before sleeping that causes the problem. Messenger from uh, Nasi Masi. She says, Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I love the medical files on Marcus Radio. I'm in uh, my 60s now. Before, when uh, you used the Gloria Henna on my hair, I used to get a very itchy scalp. So they told me I uh, use plain henna. But uh, henna is making my scalp uh, very sensitive and soft. Is it bad to use henna? Also, how other dyes, uh, hair dyes, harm us? Doctor? You can develop uh, allergies to to dyes, very, it's, 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 it happens, very, very common, in fact, uh, for people who, who use uh, dyes on their hair uh, regularly, uh, they develop an allergy to it, and the allergy can present itself with a rash on the hairline and also on the face. And sometimes people have a rash on the face and they don't know what's causing the rash. In fact, it is, uh, it is a dye that's leaching out of the hair that's creating the problem. So yes, allergy to hair dyes is a real problem. Uh, now with hair now, you know, it's it's not an allergy. It's not a common allergy-producing uh, substance. But there are some people 
who are sensitive to it, who are allergic to it, and if they put henna wherever they wherever on your on their bodies, they they can develop an allergic reaction, contact dermatitis, whether it's on the head or on the on the hand or on the arm, forearms or whatever it is, uh, they can develop a rash uh, which can be quite disturbing, quite itchy and. Uh, and, and, and raised and, and uh, not, not very pleasant. So if, if, if you're allergic to henna, like you're allergic, if you're allergic to hair dyes, you can't use hair dyes. All hair dyes will have that ingredient which causes them to, uh, to, to develop, you know, for, use, for people to develop an allergy. But people who are allergic to henna cannot use henna, so they have to do without it. Yes, sir. Jazakallah for that, Doctor. Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat. We learn so much from Marcus Medical Files. Is it okay to use a sodium husk over the cereal at any time, doctor? If you have, if you have a constipation problem, uh, yes, you can use psyllium husk uh, uh, to, to relieve yourself. Uh, and uh, again, it depends on the doses that you use. Uh, if you use too much, it's going to give you stomach cramps uh, and, and uh, may give you a bit, di- bit of diarrhea. And that means your body is overworking. Uh, and uh, so you need to adjust the, the doses that you're taking to, 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 make, uh, to, to allow you to have a normal motion. So yes, cinema husk is a very good way of, uh, of uh, controlling your, your bowel, uh, and it can be taken that over time. Jazakallah for that. And uh, the, uh, the Tarawi factor that you said is very beneficial for us, uh, doctor. Uh, you could elaborate on that. Our mental state for Tarawi is very important. The way we look at Tarawi is very important to gain the benefit of this mental relaxation that occurs during Tarawi. So, you know, if if a person loves to read the Tarawi, loves to listen to the Quran, or the Quran, loves to listen to the Quran read slowly, not not fast, uh, they go, while they're doing the Tarawi, they go into a state of relaxation, uh, which is very hard to explain. Uh, sometimes to a point where they'll want to want, they'll feel like sleeping. They'll feel like going off to sleep uh, because they are so, so, so relaxed uh, by, by listening to the to this recitation of the Quran and, understand, and trying to understand what Allah Ta'ala is telling us uh, because a lot of things on, in the Quran are repeated over and over again. And, in, and if you can just pick the words that uh, that are repeated and learn the meanings of them, uh, you know after a while uh, what Allah Ta'ala is talking about. And a good way of doing it, of course, <coughs> is to read the English translation before Tarawi. Once you read the English translation before Tarawi and you go into Tarawi and you listen to the recitation, although it's in Arabic and you don't know Arabic, you know after a while what where the where the Hufas are reading and you can follow in, in, a, in a way uh, according to what you understood, what you read uh, before. Of course, uh, you can't act on it because you shouldn't act on translations of the, of the Quran. You should, uh, you should follow it up with, a, with an alim to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Uh, because, you know, verses have been abrogated, changed uh, by Allah Ta'ala as, uh, as the 23 years went by. So we can't rely on the translation of the Quran. We have to have proper tafsir of the Quran. Uh, to, to, to do that. But as a general overall view of the Quran, uh, it's quite a, quite a good way of getting into the, uh, into the Tarawi and, and listening to the, through the Arabic, to the, uh, to the recitation, and uh, really, really enjoying the Tarawi 
It will relax your mind. It will take you away into another realm. And uh, uh, you will really, really begin to appreciate it because at the end of the Tarawi, you'll be so, so, so relaxed. Uh, and that's why, and, that's, that, and that, that feeling uh, gives an impetus for the person to, to look forward to the next Tarawi. So that's one category of people. Uh, then other category of people that come uh, that uh, do not, you know, they want a fast uh, Tarawi. Uh, they want to get out, get in and out as fast as possible. Uh, so they will they will come in and they will uh, you know uh, they want to get over it as fast as possible. Uh, they're not really listening to the recitation of the Quran. Their mind is going all over the place, uh, and and so they are not getting the benefit of the Ravi. Uh, they will it will be like a chore for them, and it'll be like a like a thing. And they'll say, oh, what a long Ravi, and oh my, it takes such a long time. Um, and uh, so they will not gain that mental relaxation that I'm talking about. They will not gain that uh, that that meditative relaxation that people get uh, from the from the tarawih. It's amazing if you do that. If you if you get that, and and we all strive for that, uh, it's it's a very very wonderful feeling. Uh, and uh, we all must strive for that and try and aim for that. Uh, the quick tarawihs, uh, the way you, you hardly know what the father is reading. And uh, you go in and you go in and out as, as much as possible, not concentrating very well. Uh, you read the Tarawi very lazily. Uh, and uh, in that way, you, you know, you're not getting the true mental benefits of Tarawi. And uh, Allah Ta'ala has put that Tarawi there. It's amazing. It's amazing the benefit that you can get on your mind, on your mental health, if you just do it correctly. Beautiful indeed, uh, Doctor. Give it a different uh, dimension altogether. And you're absolutely right, you know, you have to read it uh, with that conviction and uh, with that muhabba and, you know, embracing and celebrating Tarawi will really impact uh, positively on us. Uh, uh, message here, it says, Assalamu alaikum uh, from Haji Pei, KZN. He says, uh, excellent uh, medical program. Jazakallah khair. My mouth's uh, getting dry this uh, Ramadan. Is it because uh, so humid in Durban? What should I have, uh, Seri time? Uh, Jazakallah. Uh, how do you respond to Haji Pei there? Yeah, see, uh, there are a few reasons why that may be happening. Uh, one reason is that uh, it may be that that he's not drinking enough water overnight to hydrate himself. So, so he's starting the day not on a full tank of water. He's starting the day on a 70% or 80% full water. So that means he's running out of water during the day, and that's why his mouth is going dry. dry. That's one explanation. But uh, if he is hydrating himself well and he's making sure that he's got enough fluids uh, by slower by, by time uh, and he's getting this dry mouth, he should look at his nose to see whether his nose is blocked or not. Uh, is he breathing through his mouth? Because if you breathe through your mouth, it will dry your mouth. Uh, breathing through your mouth will dry your mouth. One of the functions of the nose is to, uh, is to moisturize the air and, and to warm the air and to filter the air because of the hair that's in your, in your nose, it can filter the, the dust that's going in to a certain extent. And of course, the warm, it, 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 it warms the air and moisturizes the air uh, if you breathe through your nose. But if you breathe through your mouth, there is no moisturizing, moisturizing that, uh, uh, that air that you're breathing in, so it'll dry your mouth. And that's one of the very, very um, uh, common cause of people having dry mouth at night. When they wake up in the middle of the night and the mouth is very dry, 
The reason is that they are breathing through their mouth at night, not through the nose, and that's what's drying them out. Uh, that's that's a, another reason. The, the, the third reason is that maybe their salivary gland is not producing as much saliva. As we get older, uh, our, 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 our glands that produce these uh, secretions, you know, they start getting less and less. Um, and the salivary gland is one of them where, where it causes uh, less saliva to be produced, and that can have an effect of dry mouth during the day, even if you are well hydrated. Yes, sir, doctor, once you're talking, I'll think about, uh, you know, we generally are in the habit of uh, having cold water and cold, uh, you know, water even when you're breaking our fast and even for uh, sahiri and sahoo. Uh, is it a bad habit to have, uh, you know, ice water from the fridge? Uh, and some say, you know, it's a better habit if you have warm water all the time. What's your thoughts? When uh, you see our body temperature is 37 degrees, uh, 37.5 degrees, and inside is it's around, it's a bit, maybe a bit more. Uh, um, that's our external temperature, and that's what we measure when we are, uh, uh, when we have, when we check to see whether we have a fever or not. But uh, our temperature inside is probably about 37.5. Uh, so our stomach, that's that's a, that's the temperature of our stomach. So if you uh, if you drink uh, water, normal tap water, uh, normal temperature water. Uh, it doesn't take long for that water to to reach 37 degrees because the, the stomach will warm that water up anyway. Uh, and and so if you drink cold water, uh, it, it's okay. It's not going to take. It's going to take the stomach a little longer uh, because remember, cold shrinks the blood vessels uh, wherever they, wherever it is in your body, and warm warmth expands the blood uh, the uh, uh, the blood vessels wherever they are. So you can you can check on your hand. In summer, you have you can see your veins quite clearly. In winter, because it's cold, you can't see your veins very well. And uh, so, uh, you know, um, this happens in the stomach as well. So, if you drink very cold things, it will constrict the it will constrict the the vessels in your stomach, but not for long. It will take a few minutes, and the temperature will rise. Temperature of that water that you drank will rise, and very quickly, within five minutes, that temperature will that cold water is now become warm water. So, you know, whether you drink warm water or normal water or cold water, the, temp the temperature of that water when it's gone into your stomach will be the same as the body temperature again. So it doesn't really matter. Jazakallah for that. And, uh, you know, the habit of having a nice uh, a hot cup of tea or a hot cup of chai after, you know, your iftar meal. Is that a good habit, doctor? It's not, it's not a good habit to have very hot drinks. Uh, because you know you, uh, you, our gullet doesn't have uh, fire, nerve fibers that uh, that for pain, uh, so you, you know at lower end yes it will, but the majority of the bar of the uh, of the gullet doesn't have uh, fibers to alert us that it's in trouble. Uh, so uh, when you drink very hot stuff, it can irritate the lining of the gullet and and you know the constant for swallowing of hot hot very 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 hot. Uh, drinks, uh, it can have an it can become inflamed, and and with inflammation it can lead to an ulcer and and cause other problems. So it's not a very good idea to eat very, uh, to drink very very hot uh, liquids like tea or coffee. <clears throat> Rather allow it to cool. And one of the sunnahs of Rasulullah is to not not eat hot food, to eat uh, cool cool food, not cold food, but not not hot food. Um, and so we should again follow the Sunnah of Rasulullah and eat 
and eat and drink uh, things that are not very, very hot. Uh, it's not, not, not good for the body to do that. Yeah, doctor, you know, you, you make a very valid point because you get that, uh, maybe that fuss spot visitor that comes and says, oh man, the food is a bit cold, eh? And next moment you may have to make it hot and then, then you, he said, you got a microwave oven, could you put it there? And that too, I mean, as you said, your lining goes and everything goes. So, uh, I mean, that microwave food too, doc, uh, the repercussions and the side effects of having a microwaved uh, uh, food. Many studies have been done on, on foods that have been produced by, my, by microwaving it, and no, no deleterious effect has been found, no, no change. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, the, the problem is that we need to understand what the microwave does uh, and how, how it eats the food. And uh, if you do that, then you, you start wondering what, what's happening to the actual food that you're eating. So what happens is that the, uh, the microwave itself will take the molecules of the food that you're eating, the molecules. The molecules are like very, very, very tiny little particles uh, that form the food. Uh, so it, it rubs one molecule against the other molecule, creating heat. It's like rubbing two sticks together or two stones together to create fire. Uh, and so that's what it does. It, it rubs the two molecules together, and that's how, it, that's how the food is heated. So rubbing the two molecules together and, and heating it, uh, nobody has ever proven that it's, it's, it's altering the food, uh, that it's changing things to make it um, harmful to us. That hasn't been proven. That's why microwave, microwave food is still uh, uh, used all over the world. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not one that uses the microwave. Uh, I, use, I, usually use, I usually heat my food. Uh, and my drink in in other ways, uh, but you can if you want to. There's no problem. It's uh, uh, it hasn't been shown to cause any health problems at all. I want to give you a tip, doc. I know you like paper with your curry kitchen, right? You just take the paper and put it for one minute in the uh, microwave. You got a beautiful crisp paper, doc. You don't yes. need that oil and all that. So, I, I, you know, I had a visitor that came home who gave me that tip, and I up to today I still use that. You know, that for the, uh, the microwave oven to do that, but and that I wouldn't use a microwave oven at all. Uh, looking at this question from uh, uh, Annie, Annie Kaki from Northern Nepal, she says, Assalamu alaikum, Zakallah for the show, Allah bless all at Marcus. My husband and I always do debate uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji. If that time, if that time he's the first uh, that eats dates and bananas, then he drinks water. I told him, no, he must first uh, drink water, then eat dates. Who is correct, uh, doctor? Please, uh, please uh, solve this debate once and for all. <laughs> Doc, how you respond to any khaki? Because they should hug each other because both are correct. Wow. So you can do it either way. It doesn't really matter. It, it mixes in the stomach. Whatever you do, it mixes in the stomach. Whether you have it before or after, when, you get into the, when it gets into the stomach, it's mixed, with the, it's mixed in, the, in the food, so it doesn't matter which goes first. Uh, the stomach is a mixer. It mixes our food and churns our food and makes it um, digestible so that, it, so that the small bowel can digest the food. So that's all the stomach does. So whatever you put in the stomach, everything is getting mixed. So you have a bowl of halim, you have a glass of milk. You think halim is going to be separate in the stomach and milk will be separate in the stomach? No. Everything gets mixed up. The honey and the milk gets mixed up in the stomach. Everything gets mixed up. So it doesn't matter when you have it, whether you have it before or after it. 
makes no difference. Hmm. You're reminding me of the term potpourri. <laughs> Everything going there and one big dig of mixture. Assalamu alaikum to our favorite station, Marcus Radio. Allah keep uh, Mufti Saab, uh, you, Shafa'at, and all uh, uh, at the station uh, well. Please uh, keep, uh, Allah, please uh, keep Dr. Hafiji uh, well too. And please, uh, Brother Shafa'at, you must keep him regular. We really love this man. And we too, we love him. I want to know, must we eat fruit as uh, first solid uh, for Seri and at Iftar? And how uh, this benefits us? Wassalam, Soli in Durban. How do you respond uh, to Soli there, Doc? Yeah, fruits are very important uh, during Ramadan because that's where we get our uh, vitamins from and that's where we get our minerals from as well. Uh, the, the calcium, magnesium, uh, mag- and, and, and uh, other, other minerals. But the we, 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 main thing is we get our vitamins from there. The vitamins, remember, get destroyed by heat. Uh, so eating fruit gives you the pure vitamin that that fruit has. Uh, and, you, you know, if you... If you um, uh, if you if you eat uh, the best time the best time to eat fruit is after tarawih uh, because it's easy to digest uh, your stomach is empty um, most of the nutrition nutritious stuff that's in the in the fruit will go straight into your circulation alhamdulillah very good uh, it is absolutely good but for diabetics maybe a problem uh, if you eat too much if you eat a little bit it should be okay uh, then and, and provided you don't put ice cream in there, if you put ice cream in there for diabetics, it's really really bad because ice cream has got a lot of sugar in it. Uh, but if you just have the, the fruit, uh, the fruit salad or some fruit uh, after tarawih is the best time to do it. It's very refreshing, very easy on the stomach, and it won't interfere with your sleep whatsoever. And that's the best time to get the the, the real nutritious value of fruit. Uh, you can have it at iftar, no problem. You can have it at sur, no problem. If you can. If you can eat that uh, those at that time, uh, but they are not going to provide you as much benefit as they would uh, for the fasting as as they would if you take it uh, on an empty stomach in the night, uh, uh, where you get maximum benefit from it. So, but if the, if a diabetic person um, wants to have fruit salad, it's no problem, but they must must have some nuts with it, because what the nut, nuts do is they they buffer the sugar that's in the fruit salad. Uh, uh, and you know, to a certain extent, in the ice cream, but ice cream, you, you know, ice cream has too much sugar in it. So it sometimes it may not be enough to buffer that unless you have a lot of nuts, which may again create a problem for you. So having a having uh, some nuts uh, with the fruit salad uh, can help the di- the person with diabetes to to try and buffer that sugar so that the sugar doesn't rise too much. Doctor, talk about ice cream. You know, then you get this uh, special brand. They say. A barfi ice cream, almond ice cream, and then you get this uh, sorbet, and you get full cream. Uh, if the, the, the cheaper version is a sorbet, uh, is that even harmful too, doctor? It's the sugar that's the problem. As the, the sweeter it is, the more sugar it has. Mm. That's the problem. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, uh, and and the milk ones are the best best ones because they're giving you protein, especially during during Ramadan. Uh, you're getting quite a bit of protein because milk is very rich in protein, calcium as well. Uh, and so you, you, and it's got vitamin D in it as well. So, so you know, you, 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 you get, uh, you know, it's a milk uh, uh, ice cream that are that are much better, uh, that are much much healthier to take. But the, again, there are, there are two things. One is the sugar content, and the second one is the amount that you're eating. So if, if you're eating a little bit, it won't make much of a difference. But if you're eating a lot of ice cream, that will create a problem. 
uh, not in a normal person, in a diabetic. In a normal person, their bodies will be able to digest it very easily without any problems. Yeah, for that, doctor. Assalamu alaikum, doctor on air with uh, Bhai Shafaat. I'm Anur Kaka. All know me here. What is the best water to drink and how much uh, water must we drink at uh, suhoor time and how much uh, to drink iftar time? Maybe a good question because some of them have their two liter bottles, they whack it uh, for seri and uh, for, uh, you know, iftar, uh, doctor. It's uh, the, the, the water that's in the tap has been shown to be quite healthy. Uh, but, you know, with all the breakdown that we are getting with the infrastructure that's, uh, that's creating a problem in the country, old infrastructure and breaking down of these pipes, and you really, you really don't know what's getting into the water. When the water leaves, uh, uh, the water treatment plant is leaving in a good state for you to drink without any problems. But on the way from the water treatment plant to your tap, uh, there may be issues in that, in that, in that area that, that may create a problem. So... Uh, it's always a good idea just to be on, on. You can drink tap water, it's no problem. It's very, very safe. But if you want to be extra careful, extra safe, uh, you can boil the water uh, and put it into a container and let it cool down and then drink that water. Uh, that's quite okay because boiling the water will kill the bugs that may have entered from the treatment plant to the, your tap. Uh, although there's chlorine in that water and that can, uh, uh, that can, uh, that can kill most of the bugs. But as as the water goes down and the distribution line, uh, the, then then the, the danger is a bit more. Uh, but uh, you know even then too, uh, the tap water that we get all over South Africa is well tested and and shown to be quite safe to drink. So uh, having said that, it, it, it's better to drink uh, tap water rather than uh, buying these bottles of water. Uh, it has been shown that to, for, for them to make one bottle of water, say a 500, 500 ml bottle of water, they use six liters of water to make that one liter of water, uh, that half a, half a liter of water. Uh, and that's a bit worrying. Uh, the, 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 the reason why they use so much of water is because uh, they, they clean the plant, they clean the plant that, uh, that uh, the, the bottling plant with that water. Uh, and uh, they also wash the bottles before they put the, uh, uh, the water in. And, and washing the floors and keeping the factory clean. All this, use, they use water to do that. And the amount of water that they use to do that far over, overrides the amount of water that's in that bottle. So, uh, you know, you're defe defeating the purpose, actually. So, and, and it's not any healthier than tap water. Uh, unless you want to drink mineral water. Mineral water is different. That's from a spring. Uh, so you need to make the distinction between the two. So... Uh, Coming back to how much water you drink, you need to drink uh, water that's, you, you know, if you over drink, you are going to pass too much of urine because we can't store water. Our bodies can't store water. So any extra water that comes into the body, the body will get rid of that water. And But when you pass urine and the water goes through the kidney and uh, uh, it, it takes along with it some, some of, the, of, of our minerals as well, uh, sodium chloride, and, and calcium and some of the other chemicals that are in our blood, it'll take them out as well. So, you know, you, you, you have a problem where if, you, if you're passing too much of urine, you are going to cause a, an electrolyte imbalance in your body because too much of the electrolytes are getting out. So drinking too much of water and passing too much of urine is going to create a problem for you. So, so that's not a good idea.
The idea is to drink uh, a little bit of water at the start time. You don't want to drink too much of water at the start time because you're going to have a problem at the early time. Uh, and so two or three glasses of, of water uh, will be enough. And plus you're having other liquids uh, like halim, you're having maybe a, a glass of milk or whatever else you're having or some soup. That's all liquid. And that also counts as fluid. So a little bit, uh, uh, you know, hydrate yourself before uh, tarawi. You need to hydrate yourself because you need to perform tarawi. So drinking about two or three glasses, even four glasses of water uh, from the time you break your fast, that's quite okay, that your body will be able to handle that. And a good idea is to have uh, another maybe half a liter of water during tarawi, taking sips of that water during tarawi, and that will keep, that will maintain your, uh, your fluid levels. And after tarawi, you can have another glass or two of water, uh, not too much because it will wake you up at night to pass urine, but you know after a few days how much to have. Uh, just balance it up. The important thing to do is when you wake up in the morning, check your urine to see what color your urine is. If it's very dark, it means you are underhydrated. You need to drink more at solar time. And if, you're, if your urine is light, light yellow, uh, which is what where you want it, if it's light yellow when you wake up in the morning, that means you are well hydrated overnight and you don't have to drink too much at solar time. Maybe a glass or two of, of, of liquids and that should suffice you for the day. Um, that means you are well hydrated. Your tank, your water tank is full in your body and you should go through the day without much difficulty. Uh, and you will get dehydrated towards the end of the day. Uh, that's normal. That's natural. That's fasting. Uh, like you get hungry at, at the end of the day and that's part of fasting. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you start off with your with a full tank, uh, you're, you know, uh, you feel much better uh, for longer periods in a day. Zakalaveh for that, Doctor. Assalamualaikum, Shafat. My question for Doctor Farooq Hafiji: Is it okay to take gelatin or collagen uh, when having seri? Zakala so much, Ashraf Tar Muhammad. You know, these are fancy things that people are using, but we don't really need to use all these all these things. There's nothing that has shown that uh, it will it will, it, will, uh, it it will be of any benefit for the fasting person. Uh, so we need to just go down to basics and and follow the basic basics and uh, and that should uh, suffice us quite nicely. We need to have about half of the food that we're eating as sewer to be a carbohydrates. So whether it's in the form of cereals or bread or rice, that's a carbohydrate. You need about half of your um, of the food that you're eating. As carbohydrate, you need about 20, 25 percent, uh, even even up to 30 percent of protein, which is very, very important for us to have at soul time uh, to get us uh, uh, to 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 uh, to last long during the day uh, for the, for digestion, so that uh, food is released very slowly through the body. So that protein, again, as I said before, uh, it can be animal protein or it could be plant protein. It doesn't matter. Uh, it, it, both are quite okay uh, for you to have at school time. And the other 10-20% of, uh, of food that you have uh, should be oils uh, that uh, that you need or our body needs. And the one that is really very, very beneficial is olive oil. Uh, so you can have it, you can cook your, whatever you're cooking, in, you're making your egg or whatever you're doing, uh, you can do that in olive oil uh, and uh, you can have, uh, you know, uh, you can have uh, uh, avocado, avocado sandwich with with, uh, with boiled egg on it. Uh, that that's a very high a very high protein, 
and high oil content uh, sandwich set, uh, where you can mash the uh, avocado, which has got the good oil in it, and uh, you got the boiled egg, the white of the egg, which has got very high concentration of albumin, which is a protein, and you make that into a sandwich, and you can have that at soul time, uh, and that will, and the bread, of course, is a carbohydrate, uh, so if people can't eat too much at soul time, that's one of the options that they can have, you can have two slices of that in the morning with, the, with this that filling, and that should uh, last them quite well uh, through the day. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Marcus uh, Medics. Uh, the program is the best. My daughter-in-law, she uh, makes me uh, makes me and a four-year-old grandson to fast. I say he's too small. Uh, medically, what is the position? Jazakallah, Masi in KZN. Four-year-old, should they fast, uh, doctor? Uh, the small bodies of children uh, dehydrate very quickly. And the other reason, the other problem is that you can't hold a child back. You can't make the child sit and tell them not, don't, don't over, don't, you know, don't become overactive. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't control the child. The child will run around and jump around and because they don't know what fasting is all about and they don't know that they're, they're not going to be getting liquid and food. So they'll be carrying on normally uh, and they'll be playing in the hot sun and and getting dehydrated now. When, when, it, when we get dehydrated, one of the thing, one of the things that happens uh, very quickly uh, is that our kidneys uh, can, our kidneys cannot perform without liquid. They have to have liquid for it to work. And so, because we get dehydrated, not much liquid now gets to the kidney for it to to excrete the the the, the, the urine. With the result that they go into renal failure, they go into kidney failure. Uh, and that's one of the common things that happens with dehydration. And of course, with dehydration, uh, what happens is that the whole body winds down. The whole body winds down, and then they feel sleepy, and they, they, and they may just go and, go and sleep. And that's the worst thing they can do, because while they're sleeping, they're dehydrating even more, and the condition becomes even worse. So we generally say, medically, we say under seven, children shouldn't fast the whole day. They shouldn't fast the whole day. They should, they should rather fast half the day. So they, they would love to wake up for sur, uh, to be with a family, to, 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 to experience the sur. Well, fine, wake them up, uh, make them have sur, but make them break the fast at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock, however, however long the child can tolerate it. So 10 o'clock is a good time. Uh, then tell them you're fasting now, your, your break time is 10 o'clock. For children, it's 10 o'clock. For us, it's later in, in the day. And then you make them break the fast, give them food to eat, give them drinks un until lunchtime. Lunchtime, tell them you're starting your fast again now after lunch. And uh, so they fast again from lunchtime, and then they break fast with everyone else at, uh, at Iftar. So they, they feel very good because they're now breaking the fast with everybody else. But children's minds, they, they can't, uh, they don't think like how we do. Uh, they, they also think that they're fasting, so that's fine. So let them believe that and let them uh, enjoy the opening of the fast and the and the uh, uh, the soul time and the breaking of the fast in the evening uh, with the whole family. It's a good experience for them. Uh, but during the day uh, from 10 o'clock to 1 or 2 o'clock, you must give them food and drinks to hydrate them and give them food uh, to, for, their, for their little bodies to get the nourishment. But between 7 and 10, yes, they, they need to fast depending again on the size of the child. Some children are very weak. And some children, the physique is very, very, you know, is not conducive to fasting. Don't force them to fast. 
if they can't fast, leave them. Again, those children can also have part-time fasting, uh, you know, fasting in the morning, fasting in the evening, but something during the day to keep their nourishment going and also to keep their their uh, water levels right and so that they don't get dehydrated. Uh, but um, a lot of children over seven fast without any trouble whatsoever uh, because they they, they can they, they, they can control themselves um, because they have understanding at that age. So it's much easier to talk to them uh, after seven years old. But after 10, yes, they should, they should start fasting seriously uh, and get into the habit of fasting. So when they become, when they reach puberty, uh, they, are, they are right into it and start fasting from that time onwards. Tell you, Doctor, a wonderful experience and a lovely uh, information-filled uh, medical show with you this afternoon. Uh, perhaps your parting words, uh, Doc. May Allah Ta'ala accept all the ibadat, all the, all the uh, du'as that we are making, all the salawat that we are reading, all the recitation of the Qur'an. I would encourage people to, to, to get, you know, use this month to really, really focus, refocus on, on spirituality. Try and keep away from dunya stuff as much as you can. And, and, and try and get closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It's still early days. We've only gone into the fifth day now. So you can refocus. And uh, if you've been uh, in the in the in the run around um, in the rat race uh, after the last four four or five days, uh, reconsider your your working time. Reconsider how you're managing your 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 day, and try and uh, find out where the, the time wasting is taking place, and try and correct that, uh, and make yourself not available uh, for for the month of for the rest of the month of Ramadan, and connect to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Make sure you read Tarawih Salah sincerely as much as you can and don't go to the places where Tarawih is read very fast. Rather go to the places where Tarawih is read very slowly, uh, where you can enjoy the, the recitation of the Quran. Um, uh, of course, uh, you know, I think all, all the Ufas now, from what I can see, are reading slower. They're not reading as fast as they used to read uh, many years ago. Uh, now they are reading much slower. And, uh, and and that's a good, very good sign uh, that uh, people can now follow them during Tarawih and enjoy the recitation. So, uh, so we need we need to refocus this month and try and get as close to Allah Subhanahu Wa as possible. Zakallah Khaira, Doctor, you have a blessed, a blessed afternoon ahead. We will talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa Time for us to go for the Zohar Azan and inshallah. Uh, we will continue uh, with the powerful programming on uh, Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah, Wal Jama'ah. <laughs>